Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. A couple of days ago, we began with a junior high school whine. Who died and put you in charge? <laughs> And we have seen rebellion in the Old Testament against Moses and Aaron's authority. And we've seen it in 2 Corinthians against Paul's apostleship. And importantly, my friends, Moses and Aaron and Paul didn't self-proclaim their authority. It was, it was delegated to them. Now, today, I don't have one unified theme for you. But remember this. Leaders and teachers will be held to a higher account on behalf of of you. Hello, Hopeful. Welcome to today's slice of our Monday through Saturday journey through the Bible in a year time together, reading through every word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. And, and as we get into our New Testament segment, it's useful to remember kind of big picture here. Throughout his epistles to the Corinthians, Paul felt the need to defend his authority as an apostle of Christ. And it is against these many challenges to his leadership that he insisted that his sacrificial ministry is what demonstrates that he was a faithful apostle and that he used his authority for the good of the church. Now, today we close out this section that started back in chapter 10 with yet another comparison or contrast set up to demonstrate his point where he has said, I, I don't like boasting, but <laughs> first Corinthians or second Corinthians chapter 12 verses one through 13. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven. 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. This man was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person but not about myself, except about my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool, because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I wouldn't exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, 
persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have been a fool. You forced it on me. You ought to have commended me, since I am not in any way inferior to those quote-unquote super apostles, even though I'm nothing. The signs of an apostle were performed with unfailing endurance among you, including signs and wonders and miracles. So in what way are you worse off than the other churches? Except that I personally did not burden you. Forgive me for this wrong. <laughs> and we're going to pause right there. We'll finish up 2 Corinthians tomorrow. Uh, did you catch like the sarcasm in that last thing? So in what way are you worse off than the other churches? Except that I personally didn't burden you. Uh, meaning he didn't take any money or support, right? He supported himself. Forgive me for this wrong. Forgive me for not taking support from you. Yeah, just dripping with irony. But do you catch this, my friends? He's like, you put me in a place where, and we talked, we've been talking about this, so I won't, I won't go deeply here. He responded in a manner that was appropriate to the context. But the bigger principle Leaders and teachers will be held to a higher account on behalf of you. And that's one of the th points that Paul has made, which is that I've done this for you, you ungrateful ninnies. Well, he didn't say that part, but that's the Roger interpretation. All right, moving on to our Old Testament segment today. If there is, is a theme for today, it's this, that grace may remove the penalty of sin without removing the consequence of sin. So we've got a little longer section to get through, but I want to set it up here so that we kind of catch the historical context. Remember that when the Egyptians came, or Egyptians, the Israelites came out of Egypt they traveled to Mount Sinai and parked it there for a good long time, which we know of as Exodus 19 through Numbers 10. And then there was travel to Kadesh, and then they parked it again, right? They didn't get to go into the promised land and ended up spending 40 years in Kadesh. And we wrapped that up today, right? So there was the mission of the spies, then this national rebellion, some more law giving, the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Uh, and then God's confirmation of Aaron and Moses' authority, right? Aaron's blossoming staff. And then yesterday we heard a little more about the duties and privileges of the priests and Levites who were charged with, you know, uh, shepherding God's people. And today we hear the very end of that, um, really in the context of what, what some commentators call cleansing from death. And then back on the road with an interesting story and my theme based on that interesting story grace may remove the penalty of sin without removing the consequence of sin we pick up today in numbers chapter 19 the lord spoke to moses and aaron this is the legal statute that the lord has commanded instruct the israelites to bring you an unblemished red cow that has no defect and has never been yoked, give it to the priest Eleazar, and he will have it brought outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. 
The priest, Eliezer, is to take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of meeting. The cow is to be burned in his sight. Its hide, flesh, and blood are to be burned along with its waist, and the priest is to take cedar, wood, hyssop, and crimson yarn and throw them into the fire where the cow is burning, and then the priest must wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. After that, he may enter the camp, but he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. The one who burned the cow must also wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he will remain unclean until evening. Pause. There's a whole bunch of contemporary stuff about rebuilding the temple and waiting for a red heifer and blah, blah, blah. If you go search YouTube, take that with a grain of salt, but know that there is something there that is affecting us even here today in 2023, right? So this red heifer thing is uh, 3,500 years old in what we're reading, and it is still a thing now, continuing A man who is clean is to gather up the cow's ashes and deposit them outside the camp in a ceremonially clean place. The ashes will be kept by the Israelite community for preparing the water to remove impurity. It is a sin offering. Then the one who gathers up the cow's ashes must wash his clothes, but he will remain unclean until evening. And this is a permanent statute for the Israelites and for the resident alien who resides among them. Now, the person who touches any human corpse will be unclean for seven days. He is to purify himself with the water on the third day and the seventh day. Then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third and seventh days, he will not be clean. Anyone who touches a body of a person who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person will be cut off from Israel. He remains unclean unclean because the water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him and his uncleanness is still on him. This is the law when a person dies in a tent. Everyone who enters the tent and everyone who is already in the tent will be unclean for seven days and any open container without a lid tied on it is unclean. Anyone in the open field who touches a person who has been killed by the sword or has died or who even touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. For the purification of the unclean, you know what, I'm just going to say this because I just can't help myself. You remember scenes in the Bible where fields are littered with human bones? There is just a pervasive image of death. It's not just a bunch of dead bones, but this uncleanness, this state of represent of death that represents total and utter separation from the Lord. We see that in Ezekiel and in, I think in uh, a version of which kind of touches down in Revelation as well. That just came to mind. All right. But anyone in the open field who touches a person who has been killed by the sword or who has died or who even touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. For the purification of the unclean person, they are to take some of the ashes of the burnt sin offering, put them in a jar, and add fresh water to them. The person who is clean is to take hyssop, dip it in the water, sprinkle the tent and all the furnishings and all the people who were there. And he is also to sprinkle the one who touched the bone, a grave, a corpse, or a person who had been killed. And the one who is clean is to sprinkle the unclean person on the third day and the seventh day. After he purifies the unclean person on the seventh day, the one being purified must wash his clothes, bathe in water. He will be clean until evening. 
and he will be clean by evening. But a person who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person will be cut off from the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. This is a permanent statute for them. The person who sprinkles the water for impurity is to wash his clothes, and whoever touches the water for impurity will be unclean until evening. Anything the unclean person touches will become unclean, and any one who touches it will become unclean until evening. All right, next chapter. You remember this story, Water from the Rock, but there's a really important lesson in here. Numbers 20. The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain and figs and vines and pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. They fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. Pause. Do we just realize what God just said? Take your staff, assemble the community. Remember, the staff was the thing that budded. If, I'm, if this is the same staff, I believe it is. But remember that that represented authority. You take the staff, assemble the community, and you speak to the rock. And while they watch, it will yield its water. Are you with me, my friends? You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and livestock by speaking to it. Okay? <laughs> Continuing. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring rock water out of this rock for you? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, so that abundant water gushed out, and the community and the livestock drank. But the Lord... But the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. My friends, that gets us up through verse 13 of chapter 20. But did you catch what happened, right? The Lord said, speak. That would have been a miracle, right? Oh, now water comes out. Moses hit, struck the rock, right? And along the way, Moses 
is now going to bear the consequence of that sin by not being able to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Okay? Finishing up. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. This is what your brother Israel says. You remember Edom is the descendants of Esau and Jacob and Esau. Okay. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. This is what your brother Israel says. You know all the hardships that have overtaken us. Our ancestors went down to Egypt and we lived in Egypt for many years. But the Egyptians treated us and our ancestors badly. And when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our plea and he sent an angel and he brought us out of Egypt. And now look, we are in Kadesh, a city on the border of your territory. Please let us travel through your land. We won't travel through any field or vineyard or drink any well water. We will travel the king's highway. We won't turn to the right or to the left until we've traveled all the way through your territory. But Edom answered him, You will not travel through our land, or we will come out and confront you with the sword. But the Israelites replied to them, We, we will go on the main road, and if we or our herds drink your water, we will pay its price. There will be no problems, only let us travel through on foot. And yet Edom insisted, You may not travel through. And they came out to confront them with a large force of heavily armed people. Edom refused to allow Israel to travel through their territory, and Israel turned away from them. After they set out from Kadesh, the entire Israelite community came to Mount Hor, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hor, on the border of the land of Edom, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I have given the Israelites, because you both rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. So take Aaron and his son, Eleazar, and bring them up Mount Hor. Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son, Eleazar. Aaron will be gathered to his people and die there. So Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they climbed Mount Hor in the sight of the whole community. After Moses removed Aaron's garment and put them on his son, Eleazar, Aaron died there on top of the mountain. And then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain, and when the whole community saw that Aaron had passed away, the entire house of Israel mourned for him for thirty days. Now when the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming on the Atharim road, he fought against Israel and captured some prisoners, and then Israel made a vow to the Lord, If you will hand this people over to us, we will completely destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's request and handed the Canaanites over to them, and Israel completely destroyed them and their cities, and so they named the place Hormah. Then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom, but the people became impatient because of the journey. Go figure. The people spoke out against God and against Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and Aaron and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. And whenever someone was bitten, he looked at the bronze snake and he recovered. And that gets us up through verse 9 of chapter 21. But you see where we get that theme? Grace may remove the penalty of sin without removing the consequence of sin. I've got one simple proverb as a wisdom segment for you today. Proverbs 18, uh, 20 and 21 will do. From the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. My friends, how quickly do we turn and rebel against, in a sense, the Lord or authority, his apostle, his word? It doesn't take long. And the beginning of the end is in our lips. May we be quick to remember and receive again the grace of forgiveness but perhaps even more so, Lord, help us to help us to just not go there to begin with, as the Israelites so often did. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.